0: The following program is brought to you free of charge by the generous sponsorship of an anonymous donor in honour of Saints Thomas Aquinas and Teresa of Avila. Please keep this donor in your prayers. radio I am one of your hosts Stephen Heiner um, today with Nicholas Wandsbutter we have the great pleasure of having Bishop Daniel Dolan joining us on our show topic today uh, the Feast of the Sacred Heart and I already uh, had a chance I've had a chance to be acquainted with his Excellency personally um, Nicholas has not and I'll, I'll let Nicholas sort of introduce um, his Excellency to those of you who don't know him
1: uh, well actually <laughs> I was going to get Stephen to do that since I haven't met uh, Bishop Dolan, um, and I only know of him by reputation, I suppose, uh, knowing that he was a, a one-time member of the uh, Society of St. Pius X. Uh, I, believe, um, sorry, but, uh, I believe it was uh, 1976 uh, that he was ordained a priest by Archbishop Lefebvre, and was one of the nine priests who uh, went their separate way at the Society in 1983. He was consecrated a bishop in 1993 by Bishop Mark Pivarunas of the Congregation of the Mary Immaculate Queen, although uh, Bishop Dolan is not a member of that congregation. Uh, as I understand it, Bishop Dolan, uh, you operate with Father Chacada in out of Saint Gertrude the Great Church in Cincinnati. Yes, I do. I uh, I have a, a
2: parish here, and uh, Father Chacada is here, and then Father McGuire and also Father Larrabee, and then from here we serve a, a number of missions and chapels in the United States, and then I have a number of priests. That I um, take care of, that I work with in France principally, and also in Mexico. Uh,
1: So perhaps uh, we can go directly to the topic of our show today. We are speaking about the devotion to the Sacred Heart, and I think most people are at least somewhat familiar with the devotion, Uh, certainly. as it manifests itself uh, in the apparitions with uh, Saint Margaret Mary, but perhaps, uh, my Lord, I'd ask you if we could start before that. Uh, what are the origins of this devotion, uh, previous to Saint Margaret Mary? Well, the um,
2: the history of the Secret Heart devotion really goes goes back to uh, the Gospels, uh, the, the doctrine itself. that that God is love, Uh, St. John, the Apostle and the Evangelist, you really can't separate him from the Sacred Heart devotion, Um, and particularly the Gospel of the opening of our Lord's side at Calvary, that's read as the part of the Mass for the the Feast of the Sacred Heart, that our Lord's side was opened and from it came forth blood and water so that's uh that's a theme and then you see it the fathers of the church developing it for example um, saint augustine talking about that his his heart was not pierced or um jabbed his heart was was opened it's opened so that grace and mercy come out sanctifying grace the seven sacraments of the church and so that we might enter in and then to of a first strain of um, uh, medieval, late medieval, medieval devotion, uh, which finds, a, a of course, a very heavy liturgical expression, our saint here, I chose St. Gertrude the Great for our patroness years ago when we started as a Pius X mission in... Um, um, it was 1978 here in Cincinnati. I chose St. Gertrude the Great because she's a great saint of, you might say, liturgical devotion to the uh, to the Sacred Heart. She was a Cistercian uh, or Benedictine nun uh, uh, around the time of um, Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, a little bit after. So the first uh, the first devotion expresses itself. Um, Oh, more along the uh, lines of the cloister and the, and the the lines of mysticism of confidence, but always love you yeah, love always goes through everything, just deep uh, personal and abiding love for our Lord. Um, Saint Gertrude sees the the sacred heart as a as a golden gate, she sees it as a thorough full of smoking perfumes or frankincense that rise to give glory to God and and edification assistance to us here on earth. And and then St. Bonaventure, the Franciscans pick it up, with the Franciscans' strong devotion to the uh, sacred humanity of our Lord. So they're very they're very much for that too. then uh, our Lord, you might say, takes the impetus in in seventeenth uh, century France. Two very important things happen: saint uh, John Eudes on his own, without any apparitions, just inspired by God, the Holy Ghost. Uh, picks up the the, the strain the, the thread of this this golden thread of devotion to the sacred heart and um uh, composes, as you could back then in, in the Gallican world of France. You could compose your own offices, the divine office, the, even a mass text, and the local bishop would approve it, and then, then it, was, it was celebrated publicly. So he was he has the honor of being the first one, St. John Youth does, to uh, publicly promote the devotion to the Sacred Heart, and also to the heart of our Lady, then um, while that's going on, and he's doing his wonderful work to reform the church by the education of clergy and uh, by the preaching of missions, while that's going on, then our Lord is appearing to this very humble, almost might say backward sort of cloistered uh, nun in... Um, in Monial, a visitation sister, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. And he, he he reveals to her the wonders and the riches of his heart and asks that there should be devotion to the Sacred Heart, uh, that, that images should be drawn up and, and spread, spread all, all around, and that there should be a feast day, and the feast day should be precisely on the Friday after the octave of Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing would be to say that, uh, well, it's a bit like the, the spreading of this devotion is a bit like the story of the spreading of uh, the miraculous metal devotion. That is to say that how is a very humble, cloistered nun, cloistered, supposed to get a devotion going and spread it everywhere? Well, our Lord takes care of it. He sends as a confessor, but just for a while, just long enough for him to, um, to, get, the, to get the message from St. Margaret Mary, he sends the wonderful Jesuit father and uh, confessor of the faith Blessed Claude de la Colombière. It's really his retreat notes, the retreat notes that he wrote out, uh, possibly even while he was in England. They say that England, uh, during the time of uh, the, uh, the Titus Oates plot and uh, Charles II, England was where the Sacred Heart devotion revealed to St. Margaret Mary was first Preached by this Jesuit father who later on suffered in prison and his health was broken, and the French king asked that he should be returned to France, and he was. So his retreat notes, um, his writings, got published by other Jesuit fathers after his death, and that's really how the modern uh, Sacred Heart devotion took hold. Along with its promises and, and, and all of its the different um, the different aspects of the devotion. The last thing to say after this, maybe short little history, would be that uh, our Lord, the Sacred Heart, appeared to Saint Gertrude daily for years. And one time she saw as well she saw as well many other saints different occasions. But one time she saw Saint John, Saint John at the Last Supper resting his um, head over the heart of our Lord at the Last Supper, and um, St. John explained to her the reason why the Sacred Heart devotion was not revealed, it was not practiced in the infant church, and the the explanation given uh, was that it was to be saved, our Lord said, his heart, the beatings of his heart, until a time when the world would grow cold. That's a theme that's that's familiar. You see that in the collect of the, the feast of the Stigmata, St. Francis in September. So the world grows cold, and it needs a little nudge, a little a little jab, something to get it going again towards what towards God is love, a return of love for love, and that's done by um,
1: this devotion, the, the promulgation of this devotion to the Sacred Heart. Well, I suppose that leads into the next question I was going to have then of if uh, you had any opinion as to why our Lord brought about this devotion at the particular time that he did.
2: Yes, um, the devotion, well you see, the the nature of the devotion, in a sense, changes. Now it becomes an answer to the horrible heresy of Jansenism, which had sort of the Catholic version of Calvinism, really. Uh, Catholic in quotation marks, which had the the Church, especially the Church in France, in in a death grip for so very long. So it was to answer those two things on the one hand to make up for the disrespect, the coldness, the indifference of people to the blessed sacrament exposed, and to our Lord, his loving heart in this, the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, because people wouldn't go to communion and they would use the Jansenistic type ideas of unworthiness as an excuse so there was a general coldness that prevailed everywhere. Um, so our Lord asks for communion, communion of reparation. He asks for us to make up for it and to uh, to adore his heart, to make acts of reparation, to make sacrifices. Then the the other great strain in the devotion is to say that we must remember that God is love, that our Lord loves us very, very much. That's something the Jansenists and the Gallicans... And the Protestants in general had all totally forgotten with the emphasis upon Calvin and predestination, a uh, uh, formalism, a rigor, a coldness, the kind of an antiquarianism that Pius XII condemned uh, in Mediator Day. You see that already reigning in France, and the saints fighting against it. So our Lord gives us great impetus to. Uh, for for the preachers, for the priests, and for individual souls. So they could be reminded of the fact that, let's not forget the basics here. Our Lord loves loves us with a Father's love. He he earnestly desires our salvation more than we desire it for ourselves. And he wants us to remember that. So he chooses the universal symbol, which is as current today. This is great. It's as current today as it ever was in the past, even more so, which is the heart. The symbol of love.
1: Hmm.
2: Uh, Behold the heart that has so loved men and and receives in return from them nothing but coldness and indifference
1: and and contempt. Uh, And in that regard, it would seem to be a perfect devotion for our own time as well in terms of the outrages and abuses that are heaped upon our Lord in, in today's time. Yet, one might make the complaint that, on the other hand, we hear so much about love, love, love. We hear so much about the love of God from the uh, Novus Ordo people, and even the modern-day Protestants seem to be all into this. Some might complain that maybe now isn't the right time, because there is an overemphasis on the love and... uh, Totally forgetting of uh, uh, our lord's justice w- what do you think of, the, of that well Lord? obviously
2: it's it's a it's a question of of maintaining a, a due balance if you'll permit a personal anecdote from my uh, student years at a um, uh, Bishop uh, williamson and i were were friends and often sort of informal uh debating partners and uh, he was a great fan of all of the different Possible private uh, revelations, and uh, uh, very much in favor of you know what the French call the small number, of the elect. That's uh, sort of that's, that's a, stri- strain, a strain rather in French uh, religious thought it's amongst traditionalists, very very popular, especially in France today. Um, and we would have little debates at the table very often. And he was uh, he would always come down for justice, and I have to confess that I always come down for mercy. Well, you you need both. And you can see in the history of the Sacred Heart devotion, and in the history of the life of the Church or devotions, you can see the need for a corrective from uh, time to time. How you can reduce things to superstition, and yet, uh, oh, I'll tell you, I mean, who could, who could visit, uh, you know, the traditional Catholic world and listen to sermons, and get to know people, and go from place to place without? Really, realizing that it 's so easy to forget that you know where you look today? I mean people are always debating about the Pope and Pious the X society will do this or won 't do that, and bishop this and bishop that it 's easy to forget the essentials and the sacred heart devotion pulls us back to the essentials uh, that, that God is love, that we have to worry about the salvation of our own soul, and that our Lord earnestly desires that we should save our own soul by means of the practice of of these uh, devotions.
0: You know, your Excellency, for the intro music we heard today was the introit for the votive mass of the Sacred Heart, and we're obviously hundreds of years removed from when this was introduced, but how did this catch on in the Church? We think about things that were massively accepted, sort of, our Lady of Guadalupe, when that came and, and that sort of massive um, devotion that, that, that caught on quite, quite quickly, same thing we saw with the rosary or perhaps the scapular, how did the Sacred Heart fit in as far as getting traction among the faithful? It had a
2: very slow start. As a matter of fact, Cogitaciones, the, the, the Mass we heard today that, that you would hear if you went to uh, Mass on the Feast of the Sacred Heart, was only composed under Pius XI. He um, raised the rank of the feast and of the octave, and he um, had the Sacred Congregation of Rights compose a new mass, starting with cogitaciones. And that's an interesting story because, again, I think because of the the Jansenist and sort of heretical strain on the one hand, and then the desire of Rome always to be extremely cautious and very, very prudent Um, for a long time in the Masses that were conceded for the Sacred Heart. The first one was given uh, by Rome to, I think it was Clement XII, to the Queen of Poland, and it was the Kingdom of Poland that had the honor of, of having the first officially permitted, Roman permitted Mass, although France, of course, because of the diocesan bishops uh, issuing their own masses France had the liturgical devotion to the sacred heart first. But those those masses didn't have any reference to the to the physical heart. Probably because the church authorities could, were sort of wincing at, the, at the, the blasphemous mockeries of the Jansenists, because for the longest time the Jansenists were calling uh, those who were devoted to the secretaries crudicolae, you know, heart worshippers, and uh, idolatry, that was another accusation, and imprudent novelty, that sort of thing, and uh, Rome doesn't like anything like that. So it took a long, long time before the idea of the physical heart of our Lord uh, being introduced into into the mass, and you get that with coitiones, but that's only Pope Pius XI in the
0: last century. And that's interesting because I think sometimes we allow ourselves to think that Jansenism was this provincial French Gallican Church problem, but it really had implications oh, yeah. for the larger church, both by in no its devotion right. and in other things.
2: Yeah, by no means. No, it uh, it had it has an over over overweening influence, and because it, as all errors do, it. It uh, hooks on to some kind of a strain in human nature. I think that uh, the, all of those issues are just as current
1: today as they ever were. <clears throat> and I think uh, when we're speaking of devotions and how this, uh, the broader devotion of the Sacred Heart caught on among the faithful, uh, I think one of those devotions that's popular, certainly in traditional Catholic circles and perhaps elsewhere, is the enthronement of the Sacred Heart. Of jesus yes. as the the king of the household
2: mm-hmm. uh that's um that's an interesting uh question very interesting development as well because um the sacred heart devotion uh father father Larkin says in one of his in one of his books he was a great uh, uh, this father, father of the hearts of Jesus and Mary, and a great proponent of, of, of the home enthronement of the Sacred Heart. He says, it's not, the Sacred Heart is not one devotion amongst many, it is the devotion. If you could look at it from a theological point of view, and how, and the teachings of the popes, how it sums up all the other devotions and sums up the gospel, that's true. So you look at it that way, you see, the home enthronement of the Sacred Heart, what a brilliant method practical down literally down to earth to promote the social kingship of Jesus Christ that is to say that everything starts in the home and one of the favorite Thoughts along these lines is to say that our Lord founded a family, the Holy Family of Nazareth, before He founded a church, and it's 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 the family that's really everything. If um, liberalism and modernism is to be defeated in our day, it will be because of good Catholic families, and these families are warmly encouraged by our Lord Himself and by the Church and by all the great popes of the 20th century to enthrone the Sacred Heart, but going back to what we talked about earlier, Nicholas, the Sacred Heart is a king of love, not of force, not of fear, not of power, not of family. He could have denominated any of these qualities, and we would indeed willingly have rendered that you know, that homage to him, but oh no, he's, he's the king of love, of merciful love in the home, in the home enthronement ceremony that was essentially promoted by um, the Peruvian Priest, because half Peruvian, half English. Father Mateo. Uh, uh, in this in this ceremony, uh, the the father of the family already that's you know a social doctrine right there. That's summed up a lot of correctives right there. The father of the family, he enthrones the the Sacred Heart statue or picture on a kind of family altar or shrine, accompanied by his wife and his children, and then. The father of the family with father, a priest from church present, if at all possible. Those two together recite the official consecration of the family to the sacred heart. Um, I like to think of it in terms of, I'm dating myself here, but I think uh, Bush I uh, spoke about at some point during his time uh, points of light, uh, but in a true sense, these truly are the points of light in the darkness today. Families where the Sacred Heart is enthroned as King of Love, the family as a family practices this devotion. They reap for themselves all of these blessings, you know—peace of heart, union in the family, graces of conversion, many other graces too. But at the same time, they they give social public witness that Christ is the King of Love. It's to go against this idea, you know, of um, the authors speak about. You might find a crucifix in a a Catholic home, but probably you would have to look in the back bedrooms for it. You wouldn't find anything in the living room. Uh, Now, traditionals are different. You're going to find statues and pictures everywhere. But in the old days, before the changes, that was pretty much the case. And that's that whole idea of of, uh, naturalism, that religion is a private affair. And um, while the home is in one sense private, on the other hand, the home is the foundation of society it 's a perfect society, the family and so now it becomes something very public. We as a family acknowledge and be enthrone uh, uh, christ as so it 's not something you see something in like um, emotional or sappy or you 're okay i 'm okay. We're doing an act of enthronement. Who we'll gets to be enthroned? Well, a king does, and a king commands, and he has to be worshipped. You have to follow what the king says. He has power. So we are, we're performing, in a sense, a, 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 a ceremony of royal homage. We're all monarchists, in a way. Uh, and we're acknowledging that our Lord truly is the king in in this home. So you see how much it promotes the... Uh,
1: the social doctrine of the church, Pius X, uh, Pius XI in particular. Right. And, uh, Lord, I, after many years, only finally have the enthronement of the Sacred Heart done in my own home. And oh, as okay. I was preparing, we were preparing for that, we chose the feast of the uh, circumcision just because that was the closest uh, feast of our Lord that sure. was. Uh, I guess, available one where we there was a priest available. Um, and uh, actually, I would recommend... It, it's a pretty good feast, I thought, to do it on because it's one that everyone has the day off work and they don't right. generally have other things that they need to do. So we were able to invite a large crowd of people to our house. And I know that's something that Father Mateo and his works recommends is that you try to right. make as big a deal as possible. Big a deal certainly. as possible, absolutely, yes.
2: Mm-hmm. And in fact, one, one of our priests is uh, just enthroning the Sacred Heart just this afternoon at someone's home here in the, in, in the parish. So, really, anytime you could, but there are certain days, as you say, that are that seem especially propitious, very, very appropriate.
0: Okay. And, Eric, have you heard families come back and tell you, you know, we've had this sort of change in behavior or we're a bit more mindful, given that there's a big picture now somewhere prominent in our house? Have Have there been any reflections about things that are different
2: oh oh one. yes uh, a lot of heart and you know, heartwarming and cute stories of 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 little children uh, one might whisper to another and say you have to be quiet Jesus is here and then they would point to the picture and uh, then adults uh, more so adults conscious of that fact that the um, that the home is sacred and that's See, that that lays the axe at the root, doesn't it, of the whole program of naturalism, which is to reduce religion to the church if you really have to and keep the priest in the sacristy. And now you have the eternal high priest and the king right there in the the heart of the family. So it brings the family back into the orbit of the sacred, not one day or one morning out of the week, but all the time. So it's... uh, Oh, I've heard over, over the years a lot of really good stories of how it's affected for the better families and graces that, that have come as a result
0: of it. I know for ourselves, for our family, when we did it, I was probably 17, 18. We were just sort of really coming to tradition, and it was one of the things we did as we came to tradition. And w- for the older children, it was need to sign the document uh, along with yes. parents. It was yes. this, we were sort of pledging ourselves as well, and... Um, it was a wonderful ceremony. I, I, uh, Nicholas had, has younger children, and, and it probably affected them in a different way. But I would say for the older children, I can testify myself that uh, after confirmation, it's sort of you know you turn when you turn 21 in America. There's there's no more meaningful birthdays. So after after you get confirmed, yeah. you don't get to have any more sacraments until you take holy orders or you get married. And That's right, it, yeah. it's one of these neat ceremonies that you can participate in uh, that mm-hmm. that isn't sacrament isn't that isn't a sacrament, but it it partakes of that same sort of spirit and power, and as you referred to, the majesty. Um, it's just one of those. It, it does. I mean, the idea, the
2: idea really is that uh, our Lord loves you too much to see the door close on you when you leave the church, and when you open the door, when you get home after Sunday Mass, well, look, there he is. He's waiting for you. Your whole life is, is intertwined with his, and the home now becomes sacred territory as well. And the one who rules here is not the one with the loudest voice or the one who can um, shout or carry on the the longest. That's the the usual dynamic of many a family, of course. But no, it's our Lord. It's the king and the king of merciful love. He's the one who rules here. And just the whole idea of the family praying together and, and in those ideal families where the dad is getting it organized and the dad is there,
1: he's praying. Wow, that's so powerful and that makes such a difference. Now, uh, Melor, do you have recommendations on what can be done for the preparatory prayers leading up to doing an enthronement? Because that was one thing that when we were getting ready for enthroning the Sacred Heart, it didn't seem that the materials we were able to find specified or even gave a preferred or recommended uh, mode of uh, preparation. What we ended up doing is for a month before the enthronement, we prayed the litany of the sacred heart in front of the statue that we were gonna enthrone. But do you have any other devotions you'd recommend? Any um any form of a
2: oh, for example, a sacred heart uh, novena or any um writings about the sacred heart that could maybe that might be age appropriate for the children that could be that could be read aloud, that would all be very good. Years ago we reprinted here a little um booklet on uh, the home and from it of the sacred heart and I'd be happy to send a complimentary copy as they say on the radio to anyone who is interested in in, in getting the copy of it um, and then I'd say any any of the books or pamphlets that are available for, for that devotion wouldn't make good reading. It's good to prepare yourself a bit like the preparation for the um, total consecration to Jesus through Mary, the holy slavery of St. Louis de Montfort because these The the danger always is that well you know we 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 did this once and we've been there we've got that checked off of our list but instead it's it's really it's a commitment for a whole different way of looking at things so really the best would be one of these books by um, Father Larkin or anything by Father Matteo I'm not sure if they're actually but I'm not sure if they're in print but anything that is in print that's available from the old days would be very good to study, talk about and explain. I also like the idea that you pray, pray the litany of the Sacred Heart because um, it's a bit like how did St. John Youth get the idea? Well, God gave him the idea. How are you and the children, you, your wife and the children, going to get the idea? God gives you the idea. You ask for it and you pray over it. So far more important even than reading would be that of praying. So to pray the litany of the Sacred Heart would be an ideal devotion.
0: And while you mention that, Your Excellency, I'll take a moment to sort of do our station identification. Those of us who are just joining us, we are uh, speaking today with His Excellency Bishop Daniel Dolan from St. Gertrude the Great uh, in Ohio. I am uh, one of your hosts, Steven Heiner. I'm joined joined by Nicholas Wansbutter of Durandal and Swords in Space. Um, If you'd like to avail, His Excellency, of his offer on the Free Sacred Heart booklet, I think probably the best way would just be to call the office and to ask and maybe leave their address, Your Excellency. Yes. um, Uh, So uh, that number is um, 513-645-4212, and um, you can refer to the booklet that His Excellency was speaking about. If you'd like to ask His Excellency any questions you can feel free to give us a call. We're at 949-272-9417. Again, that's 949-272-9417. For you more technologically literate, uh, you can use Twitter, at True Restoration, to submit your questions there. Uh, getting back to the instrument of the
1: Sacred Heart um, I know there's other things we want to discuss so I, I won't belabor it too much more but uh, my Lord, you made a good point about not having this as something that you do once and you check it off your list and yeah. now it's done and the preparation being very important to that it seems to me that some follow-up devotions having a regular follow-up devotion is important as well I think Father Mateo recommends Uh, on feasts of our Lord, doing some special uh, devotions before the statue? uh, Perhaps uh, there's some other things that uh, your Lordship may have to recommend?
2: Yes. um, uh, in, In the little booklet that we've reprinted is a nice short form of what's called the Renewal of the Consecration of the Family, which may be said perhaps as part of night prayers or once a week, Sunday on Friday, certainly on the anniversary of the enthronement of the Sacred Heart, and then on certain other feast days as well as especially uh, during the month of June. I think it's important to keep the uh, the family shrine going uh, with, uh, and then decorated from time to time, especially, again, for the Feast of the Sacred Heart and for the month of June as well as his family's um, uh, anniversary of the, of the enthronement. And the idea, too, is to gather the family together there to recite your prayers, if possible, the morning and evening prayers, the daily rosary, and that sort of thing. And um, as the children get older, just as you would the, the little, well, not, not very much older, but when, when they're just old enough to be able to pick things up around two or so, or one or two, you, you pick up the children and you, you point out the Sacred Heart, the Immaculate Heart, tell the story, and um, let them realize um, what's going on in, in their own home and that's Jesus and he's the
0: king of love and that's the sacred heart. And I suppose it's important to note, Your Excellency, when you're talking about the family shrine, you're not talking about the television. Just to, to uh, no. That. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some, some, I re- some traditionalists think that that's the family shrine. You you'd think of it the size of the flat screen versus the size of the, uh, the image of exactly. our and Lord. Exactly. And Lord. I'm
2: afraid that for a lot of families that's the case. I remember that we had... Uh, we never had in our parish, and I grew up, in just before the changes, in, in Detroit, we never had um, the Sacred Heart. We had the Sacred Heart Novena every Friday night, benediction, but we never had any a word about the enthronement But there was, during the uh, around the era of the Cuban Missile Crisis, a big devotion to Our Lady of Fatima, and there was a pilgrim virgin. And we had, once or twice, when I was a boy, we had this, the pilgrim virgin uh, in, in our home. And I remember being really struck that uh, my mother covered over the TV set. So as long as that lady was in the home, there wasn't going to be any TV. That made a big impression on me as a boy,
1: I tell you. (laughs) Mm. Now, uh, to go back to the history of the devotion a little bit, it it seems to me that our Lord's intention wasn't just to be honored in the home, but that there were some specific requests made... For our Lord to be uh, honored publicly in the uh, gover- uh, governments or uh, secular states, and yes, in particular, poem, uh, I'm looking at one quote that uh, that here. Unfortunately, I didn't print out the footnote, but uh, he uh, R- R- Saint Margaret Mary wrote that he, the Sacred Heart, desires. Then it seems to me to enter with pomp and magnificence into the palaces of kings and princes therein to be honored as much as he has been despised, humiliated, and outraged in his passion, and that there was a specific request made to uh, the King Louis XIV to yes. use his prestige as a very powerful king and in, uh, consecrate the Kingdom of France to the Sacred Heart. Yes, and put his heart on the on the on the banner
2: of the national flag, and put his heart on the on the arms of France too and over in fact on the weapons and then our lord says and see how i'll I'll defend and I'm always touched by that because. Here, you know, Louis XIV was just such a rotter in just so many senses. All those those last Louis had such a an anti-Catholic policy, and yet at the same time, here he says, um, to the mercy of our Lord, my beloved son Louis, and I will bless him." It's almost a paraphrase of what would later come down to us as the Twelve Promises. For anyone who's devoted to the Sacred Heart, even 21st century Americans, uh, I will bless him. I'll, I'll, I'll bring peace to his realm. I'll, I'll prosper his undertakings. And yet, he would not do it, probably because of the fact that it was new, certainly because of the fact that the Gallicans and the Jansenists very strongly opposed this devotion, particularly because the devotion was propagated by their mortal enemies, the Jesuits, so it was a political hot potato, and he wasn't going to do it. And so it wasn't, um, well, it wasn't really, until the last of the Louis was in it was in prison, then he did it, and it was too late, it was too late For to be done, Louis XVI, just shortly before he was beheaded, and that was the end of the French
1: monarchy right um, and and the bit of research I did before the show indicates that it was actually the seventeenth of june sixteen eighty nine was when the the request mm-hmm. was made by the Sacred Heart for yeah. King Louis the Fourteenth to do all those things and then a hundred year or a hundred years later to the day the seventeenth of june seventeen eighty nine is when the tennis court oath was sworn, uh, which was yeah. really the beginning of the French Revolution uh, since that was when yeah. the uh, delegates to the um states general uh, formed the the uh, national assembly and uh, started really took things out of the control of louis the yes, 16th i think that that shows you
2: the incredible power and the vast importance of this devotion that our lord had uh, the king been willing to promote it and to allow him his heart to enter with pomp and magnificence into the palace of the king had had he done that our lord would have overlooked it in his own merciful way then by grace canceled out all of the deleterious effects of the of the of the politics of the king and all of the the heresy that was nurtured in the French church, Gallicanism in particular, but also Jansenism, our Lord would have overlooked all of that and how different history would have been if only he had done that. Uh,
1: Now, there is at least one country in history, maybe the only one, the only one I'm aware of, where there was a formal consecration of the country to the Sacred Heart, Mm -hmm. and that would be... Uh, Ecuador under Gabriel García Moreno. Yes, right, yeah. A brief but a very glorious chapter
2: in the history of the Catholic, Catholic nations, absolutely. Yes. But, um, but um, Satan obviously moved very, very quickly to cancel out the good effects of that. And he was martyred, and, and that was the end of
0: that. I mean, it's it's almost like a fairy tale, isn't it, Your Excellency? I mean, to think—I mean, as a modern, you know—I I, I don't like putting that label on myself, but unfortunately, it's what I am. As a modern, to think of a a, a head of state consecrating uh, the, the nation to the Sacred Heart—it's it's, it's mind blowing. It and is. As, I mean, it, a paranoid, know, it's a it, everything that
2: that would be entailed in it—it's
0: just uh,
2: wow. And those things, those things are so rare. A few and far between, but it's, uh, it's this tremendous potential that just has never been realized.
0: That's mm-hmm. the mercy of God. And I think it was telling, too, that it wasn't it wasn't even a monarchy. So our, our Lord had asked a monarchy to do it, which uh, right. you're talking to two monarchists today, so uh, that's our <laughs> that's preferred a very good point. point. That's but, a fair point. Right? But even there, yeah. even a republic could do it. Um, even a
2: republic. Our, our Lord, we, that's his merciful design, he wishes to reign everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. You know, use whatever
0: means, whatever means is possible. You'll accept it. As part of your missionary work, you, you go to uh, France. I, yes. what, is, it, is it fair to say fairly often, at least once a year? At least once a year, yes. At least once a year. year. And, uh, you know, when we think about the Sacred Heart, we're not just talking about the enthronement. We're not just talking about the liturgy or the office. I think of Sacre Corps in Paris, this mm-hmm. monstrous church overlooking the city, one of the, you could say, the best views of the city. You know, even the, even the seculars know that's where you go, although you yep. kind of have to duck the Muslims in that neighborhood. But you certainly um, do anymore, yeah. These days, or, or wear, wear a hajib or whatever you need to get over there. But when you think of that architecturally, does that have any resonance for you in relation to the devotion, or do you see it as something set apart architecturally?
2: I've never really considered it that much. Um, I have to say that for myself, having visited Preliminaryal so often, I went there as as a newly ordained priest. I offered my second mass at the uh, the tomb of Saint Margaret Mary. and wanted to consecrate my priesthood to the Sacred Heart. So I've always, for me, the Sacred Heart of France. That's Preliminaryal. But uh, this, uh, Montmartre and the, and the Sacré Cœur. That's uh, this. But a glorious um, episode in French Catholic history, that is, the idea of uh, was what the Mexicans call templo expiatorio, a temple or a great church of expiation to make the, that the, the good French, because the French are either always very, very good or very, very bad, <laughs> the good French realize the need of making reparation to the Sacred Heart for all of the outrages and all of the evil and the wickedness that came from France and then that poison from France spread throughout the whole world. So when they finally get a breathing point in the 19th century when it can be done logistically, they collect the money and they build this magnificent church as a public act of homage and of reparation to the Sacred Heart. And who knows, in in God's mercy, that that had something to do with the the fact that France survived, and again and again many more many more chances after the era of the kings was still given to France. Mm.
0: And perhaps Pere Lemonial, you know, there in the center of France, very far from the capital, um, is is sort of a, a sense of how is the faith saved, not maybe perhaps in these big cities, but maybe in these humble towns. Yes, that's a very
2: good point too. Although I have to say that the French modernists have done their very best to make it absolutely cold and and uh, and, and really a center of the new religion. There's some sort of a oh, the last time I was there well, last year they had some horrible new version of a tabernacle that and, that looks vaguely satanic i
0: sure. Well, they, they managed to hit all of our ladies' shrines they got it at Fatima and they've got that at the at Our Lady of Guadalupe as well because you've got it yes, in those verse, I suppose.
2: Right, and even, even for the little flower, Lisure is um, just uh, novus arduise to an incredible degree. And that's just the last few years that, they, that they've, they've pulled that off. So, uh, yeah, there's something about, but there's something about Pareil Limonial, the, the very fact that you see of it being hidden and quiet and secret, that shows uh, as much as um, Montmartre does. The, uh, the the nature of this devotion, how our Lord could in an instant just turn everything over, and how powerful the devotion is, and how our Lord says, you can go to Saint Margaret Mary very confidently. Of course, He says, "I will reign, uh, despite my enemies, other than people, in me." So that's that's how our Lord's going to do it. Just in spite of His enemies, He's going to reign, and He still is, and He still is. This merciful love of Christ is still practice in homes. How many Communions of Reparation? How many people are doing the first Fridays? how many images are still being set up and honored in families and in churches, how many acts of consecration. So it's a a wonderful story, which is, of course, uh, by no means finished yet. Now, uh,
1: speaking of the the modernists, uh, that may be somewhat of a segue to the other thing we wanted to discuss, which is the um, devotion of the uh, Divine Mercy. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I, I know. Uh, I personally don't know a lot about the Divine Mercy devotion. I know a bit. My wife is Polish, from Poland, so oh. um, of course it's a huge deal among Polish people and Novisordon traditionalists alike. Um, yeah. uh, but it is a matter of some controversy among is, traditional Catholics. There is some traditional Catholics who. Uh, are uh, in, devoted to the, uh, div- do the Divine Mercy chaplet. There's some who say that it's just modernist, so I, I'd be interested to know what your thoughts on that devotion are.
2: Sure, I, um, sure, Nicholas, I, I would say, first of all, that it's it's one of those things that uh, about which Catholics in good faith probably do, do disagree, and we should probably not batter each other over the head too much about it. I've always um, been appalled by the devotion. It's just not drawn in any sense. And for me, it's profoundly scandalous, because it's totally connected with the conciliar religion and John Paul II, and it has more than a whiff of this Oh, one of his uh, more subtle heresies of universalism, the salvation of everybody. Everyone's going to heaven at the end. Um, the diaries of Sister Faustina, some of her supposed revelations also contain things that are scandalous. For example, the idea of the sacred host um, on more than one occasion flying into her hand, and therefore she communicates herself. In um, fact, somebody uh, somebody sent, sent uh, uh, me um, a little dossier about Pius XII and, uh, the Twelfth and the devotion um, to the Divine Mercy. Uh, I wasn't aware of that there was anything favorable, either on a personal level or anecdotal level, from Pius the Twelfth. I've never seen anything official from any from any church document. Uh, the way I the way I figure it out is that Pius XII did ask the Holy Office under Cardinal Toviani to study the question. That the question was studied, and just a few weeks after the death of Pope Pius XII, uh, Cardinal Toviani and the uh, Holy Office issued a decree in 1958, November of 1958, saying that, it, that the devotion was not supernatural and that therefore the prayers should not be said in the the images. Should not be uh, the pictures should not be uh, passed around or put up or promulgated, and then bishops should prudently see to their removal if they were set up in, in churches so um, and then I, I think the, I think that the the profound reason for that is that the um, divine mercy devotion, although on the face of it, especially for someone who really loves the sacred heart, there, there are many aspects of it that seem. Uh, very very uh, attractive nevertheless it's a kind of a it's a kind of a competition it is a competition to the sacred heart devotion the sacred heart gets removed and is replaced by sort of a uh, a ray of light and everybody basically at the end of the day when the movie comes to an end everyone's going to heaven that's a little bit the sense of it and that's if you look at oh, you look at the richness and the beauty of the sacred heart devotion what a shame that it should have been cancelled out by this i'm not saying that i know that it was that, that it's that it's uh, from the devil nevertheless that's something that the devil would want to do that he would want to abolish the uh, sacred heart devotion and replace it with uh, with something else but for myself i find the fact of the um, the, the document of, of the holy office even though technically it was after the death of Pius for 12 a few weeks i find that to be uh persuasive as well as the scandal that 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 hangs around it that i think that should be enough for any traditional catholic just to be warned to be warned away from it um not but this, I, I don't think there needs to be really brutal arguments about it either. Sure.
0: I, I think your points are well taken, Your Excellency. I, prior to the show I, I think I, I told you that our family recited uh the, the divine mercy, certainly as Novosordos, and it mm-hmm. still continued as we were traditionals, but frankly It was only as I dug a little deeper into tradition that I started to find out a little bit more about the diaries, and that sort of made me look backwards at the devotion, because I said, you know, I was looking at the words, and and they they seem very pious. But when you look back at the prefiguring of communion in the hand, when you read in the diaries that a great um, help to the church will come from Poland, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) we've we've seen this movie before where we see time bombs set in documents for other things, and so I think to your point, there's the meta commentary of well, Pius the twelfth liked it, therefore it's good, or John the twenty third didn't like it, therefore it's good. Um, that that's a bad way to make judgments about devotions to say this pope liked it or that pope didn't. Uh, whether or not a pope likes a particular devotion is not as helpful as what you were talking about—a document from the Holy Office or yeah, something um, that's particular. <laughs>
2: Exactly. We need a document because, of course, how did the Pope finally express his likes or his dislikes? It was by means of the Curia, the Curial decrees that were authoritative. And while I grant you there's a technicality here because of the intervening death of the Pope, nevertheless, obviously, this whole question was studied and studied, in some, studied at some length because Rome used to move very, very slowly uh, before the great bastion of Orthodoxy, Cardinal Toviani, condemned it. So uh, I think that that has to bear a lot of weight, and it's, but it's very important for people not to get into this whole uh, abuse of um, private revelation, forgetting that they are really private revelations, and using private revelations um, to judge what's going on in the church and everything else. And they, they um, oh, it's, a, it's it's an abuse and the lack of a of a due Catholic perspective on things. Um, there's so much uh there's so much that we Catholics have been given, and we know in an authoritative way, because of the blessings of so many popes and so many saints, and so many magisterial documents and cyclicals, for example, uh, they're, they're, you, you could you spend an entire uh, lifetime attempting to exhaust the, the riches of the Catholic doctrine concerning the Sacred Heart of our Lord, for example. Why go to anything else, especially something that has more than the width of scandal about it?
0: Well, I think you make an excellent point, because I'm sure you've heard, it, you've heard the charge leveled against you a hundred times, you being a set of a contest, that, well, you know, Our Lady said that the Pope has to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart. You say there's no Pope, so you're, you're against Our Lady. And they're using, yeah, that,
2: they're using this true. to
0: sort of have a theological, they're using a private revelation to have a theological discussion, and it actually has to be the other way around.
2: Absolutely, I remember as a young priest, actually a young Pius the tenth priest, working in Pennsylvania. There are a lot of people who are very much on all the, as Bishop Williamson used to be again, on all of the private revelations. And Bayside would be compared with San Damiano, and there would be the exegesis that would be given and all the rest of it. But that's, uh, at the very best, those are those are very very not even secondary, they're tertiary considerations possibly. But we have to we have to see and to judge all of these things in the in in the light of Catholic doctrine, especially today because of so much confusion, we have to cling to uh, the magisterium. And as the state of the contest, I proudly proclaim that the Catholic Church can never officially give us any error Either in the magisterium, the ordinary magisterium, or in the acts of of worship, that which is publicly approved. So, if you cling to that, you you follow a safe rule of faith, rather than clinging to individuals and private revelations and then many speculations. All that stuff is that's all part of the. uh, the swamp in which so many Catholics today, unfortunately, are plunged. They don't, you know, they really are looking for light and guidance. They're, they're very confused. But it's, it's because the voice of the shepherd has been stilled. So that's why, that's why I say you can't, oh, be too brutal about these things anymore. I feel sorry for people. But at least everybody could be pointed to that, which is, sure. Why why fool around with something which has got some real problems connected with it? Why not stay with that which is known and sure, and that which is more
1: than sufficient, which would be the devotion to the Sacred Heart? Well, I think that's a, a very good point, Lord, and probably takes a little bit of uh, this, uh, the window to my myself for uh, trying to be a bit of devil's advocate on the uh, uh, because I, I was going to mention that I've read that the diary of uh, Sister Faustina that was put on the index many people say that that has is in fact a forgery and so. Mm-hmm. That she didn't actually say that she'd uh, seen things like the the host I flying see. into her <laughs> hand or things like that. Sure. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that or not. No, that would
2: that would probably entail more of a, uh, of, a of a detailed study or a discussion of the, the devotion itself, which would be, you know, I grant you, an, an interesting topic. For study one day possibly and uh, discussion, but surely no one, no traditional Catholic, can dispute the fact that y- you know you say Google Faustina you 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 get the smiling face mm-hmm. of J too and and that's right. a, a fine how to do. You really and that's oh he was an antichrist, a monster right. of iniquity, uh, a true father of the revolution mm-hmm. who betrayed all of the very best of Polish Catholicism. And uh, far more than did uh, the communists when they came in with their Pox movement in the forties and the fifties and and all of the rest.
0: No, that's, uh, that's 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 the real wickedness is there. <laughs> well, they think well, if I, we I have I any eighty-two know... d- devotees in our audience. They've just all fainted, Your Excellency.
1: <laughs> <I> think... <laughs> uh, although, and although I, I was going to say that. I mean, since my wife's Polish, I know lots of Polish people, and actually, uh, they they seem to fall into only two camps: either the John Paul II the Great, or they would agree 100% with what Your Lordship just said. But uh, what what I take from what you're saying is that, I mean, just because he had such a big um, involvement in this, the the, the devotion. It has been so tainted by his involvement that it's safest to stay away. Although, on, on the flip side, would it be possible that if, say, a few hundred years from now, we were able to to take a sober second look at it when all of this has disappeared into the midst of history to a certain degree so that that taint doesn't still affect it? Could could it be a devotion that could be rehabilitated or, or or do you not know enough well, about it to, to make a comment oh, I, on that?
2: I I I would say that that all of those things any, anything can be looked at and can be and can be studied, and that if we ever reach the point again where the curia is reconstituted, possibly so yes, possibly so it could it it, it's, it certainly could be done, but um, just on some very basic simple level. Um, you know, the philosophical principle you know, supposed to multiply beings without necessity. You already have this devotion, which is such an important devotion, and it covers everything from the social kingship to family life, Eucharistic reparation to answering the big question how am I going to get to heaven? How am I going to save my soul? Wretched sinner that I am. Well, the Sacred Heart answers your question. And what about all these doubts and <clears throat> confusion that, that that I feel? Uh, you know, am I going to go the way of Luther, go into some kind of a heresy, if, but just, just for some kind of a... Well, what the Protestants call, you know, the, the sweet bliss of assurance of salvation. No, I've got the sacred heart. I've got the sacred heart for everything. That's so very that's so very important. Probably sorry <laughs> to say it, but I think I have to say that this whole divine mercy deal is made up by the devil to distract and confuse people away from the real devotion that people should be studying, talking about and practicing, and that's
1: the devotion to the sacred heart. And uh, that That's one, one thing that I have sometimes wondered, and I was going to ask uh, Your Lordship, but it's been answered, is there's so many devotions, uh, how, do, how do we choose which one we should uh, make the most important? But I, I think throughout this radio show, many reasons have been given why uh, the Sacred Heart devotion ought to be uh, one of the prime devotions, in, in fact, yeah. the prime devotion, perhaps uh, alongside the rosary. Yes, because it, uh, as I say, it's, it's uh, anything.
2: Because we have to keep it simple today, as we're towards the end and things are really bad in the church. Well, anything that 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 gets the gospel uh, to people in some sort of a simple, portable fashion, in a way that 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 the simple or those who are overly sophisticated, both groups really, will be able to absorb and retain and practice in daily life. That's what you want. Well, that's, that's God. The Spirit of God is there. That's the Holy Ghost. So the Rosary, well, that's just praying with Our Lady. That's meditating the Gospel mysteries. That's the Scriptures. That's everything. That's life itself. Um, the Sacred Heart Devotion. That's the heart of the Gospel. Come, they may have life and have it more abundantly. And then... Uh, just from what we've been talking about this hour, it, you see how it it fits into absolutely every niche or category that you can think of in the way of the faith, and also in the, the great social issues, the social teaching of the church. It's all it's all the rosary. It's all the uh, the Sacred Heart devotion. Uh, the the rosary can be combined beautifully with Sacred Heart meditations, uh, no question about it. Um, and so, so you have these two, which are in a proper sense super devotions because they they're they're they are at, at the, the bottom line is in profound uh, simplicity and yet at the same time they're compact they summarize everything that you need to carry around with
0: you i think that all those points are well taken your excellency for those of us those of you who are listening to us on the live stream we're we're going to be coming off of our live stream, but we're going to go into uh, about five minutes of overtime with His Excellency. So, if you get cut off here um, when the podcast becomes available in five minutes, you'll be able to listen. Um, Your Excellency, one of the things sometimes we get those of us who don't have access to um, the mass regularly, or certainly, you know, we don't have anyone near us who prays the office. Right. When you look at the Office of the Sacred Heart, uh, the Mass of the Sacred Heart, are there any particular texts, meditations that, that really sort of stick with you? You know, whenever I think about a particular um, votive mass, there's usually a text, a, a phrase of a psalm that really sticks with me. Um, you know, like those to "Meditabitur." You know, is there something about any of the any of the liturgy or the Office readings that that really stick with you? yes
2: quite a bit since i'm i've always been really drawn to the to the sacred heart devotion I, probably since i was a boy going to the novena services on friday night in the parish church um one is the uh, the, the vesper hymn which is in the latin is Anus Superba crimina and uh there's the, a the very touching line in amantum non redemit who who would not make some return in turn, to someone who loves you so, so very much. That's, um, that's, uh, a more, that works on more of, a, of a, an em, emotional level, um, was what the, the moderns would call the, the modern devotion, devotes in Moderna. And yet it's profoundly human as well as very, very elevated spiritually that we should love our Lord in return for how much He loves us. And that takes us to the point I was making a little bit today about the, uh, the importance of not forgetting that it really is all about love—the love, our love for our Lord, our Lord's love for His Church. The Church came from His pierced and open side. Uh, so that—that's one point. Another point would be the. Um, the Gospel, St. Augustine's commentary, and all the Fathers of the Church, and the opening of Our Lord's side, and how that uh, St. Gertrude sees it as a as a temple, as a place of uh, security, of refuge, for us to 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 hide ourselves in. Uh, rock, rock of Rock of Ages, left for me. It's a little bit that thought. Um, then another thought that I always have, for some reason, I always um, whenever I say the Vespers, they're the, it's the first Vespers of the Sacred Heart. I believe, uh, there's an unusual use of a psalm, the De Profundis, which is usually used only for requiem services. is used for one of the vespers of the uh, Sacred Heart, and the, the idea is, that out of the depth I have called to thee, O Lord. And then that refers to another psalm about deep calling unto deep, the depth of our Lord's heart buried deep within him is that heart that loves us. So very much, and then I always um I had a very, I had a wonderful conversation once with a Pius 10th priest who was who's a good friend of mine who's dead now Father Roland at Chirac and he was uh, from a Polish background Polish family and. Um, Sort of an honorary state of a contest, uh, mm-hmm. although he never he never, he never crossed, the, crossed the bridge publicly or formally. I think he was planning on when our Lord called him out of the veil of tears. But anyway, he was very devout to the Sacred Heart as well. And I remember um, talking with him, one Feast of the Sacred Heart, uh, we were both at an ordination maybe in the, in the very early 1980s, obviously, um, And uh, so I always think of him and his his own life and the the sufferings that he had, and and indeed his very early death. So uh, it's uh, I think the the Sacred Heart Feast uh, for me in the office. The devotion is a summary of many, you know, maybe deep theological thoughts, and then then just reminiscences and uh, maybe little personal lights and inspirations, that sort of thing. But at the same time, it's a summary of absolutely everything. Everything that you need, you're going to find right there
1: in in that liturgical devotion and in the popular blessed devotion of the Sacred Heart. Well, my Lord, I'd like to thank you very much for taking that time out of your very busy schedule to join us on our show and to speak about this very important devotion.
2: You're very welcome.
1: And uh, so with that, we're going to uh, end this edition of Restoration Radio. And uh, for everyone who's been listening, this is uh, I'm Nicholas Wansbutter. I've been hosting this along with uh, Stephen Heiner. Uh, Stephen Heiner, of course, I should just uh, mention quickly, uh, he runs uh, um, True Restoration Press and uh, you can find some good Catholic works there, and uh, True Restoration Media that's associated with that has a lot more to offer in terms of uh, interviews that can be downloaded. And uh, So thank you for listening to us, and we uh, hope that you'll tune in for our
0: our next show, which will be announced on the Internet in due course. Well, of course, Nicholas needs to... uh also introduce himself, uh, or at least let let everyone else know um, he has two websites that he runs: Swords in Space, uh, the sort of Canticle of Leibowitz Catholic take on science fiction, and uh, Durandal, which talks about monarchy and other restoration issues, which is part, of course, why he's part of Restoration Radio. We'll take out the show um, halfway through the introit that we started with, uh, the introit for the voted Mass of Master, the Sacred Heart, Koje um, Onus. This program was brought to you free of charge by the generous sponsorship of an anonymous donor in honour of Saints Thomas Aquinas and Teresa of Avila. Please keep this donor in your prayers.